0: Where is WATD? Hey, we're the number one FM station on the South Shore. We would have not seen anything bad then. So where is WATD? We're
1: located at Marshfield. <laughs> Captain stand- to lose.
0: Why won't you let me take you on a sea cruise? I said, Louie, Captain Lou. Louie, baby, said, Louie, Nautical
1: Talk. Louie, baby, I said, Louie. Louie, baby, I said, Louie, Louie, baby. Won't you let me take you on a sea cruise? Yeah, W-A-T-D. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome aboard. This is award-winning Nautical
2: Talk Radio. Welcome aboard a special, uh, Broadcast tribute to Captain Lou and Nautical Talk Radio this Sunday, August 9th, 1100 hours Eastern Standard Time. My name is Navigator Brad, and I am yet once again high atop the WATD studios, sitting behind the very microphone that Captain Lou broadcast from for so many decades. So glad to have you listening, maybe the old-fashioned way, tuning in at WATD 95.9 FM on your radio, or... Maybe you're tech-savvy and listening online at 959-WATD.com. Maybe you're blessed and listening on your boat. I used to love dropping anchor, the radio playing, rafting up. For you landlubbers, that means boats tied together with one or more of the boats secure at anchor. We'd walk across the decks from one boat to the next and back sharing food, drinks, and nautical tales. ...jumping into the water off someone's flybridge... ...swimming back to one of the rafted swim platforms... ...scurrying up the swim ladder in the transom, ...just to do it again. What fun we used to have. What an absolute blessing it is to grow up on the water. I grew up raised by a man you know as Captain Lou. I knew him as Dad. We'd play ball together, go fishing together, vacation together perform this radio show together Captain Lou and Navigator Brad for the better part of ten years and of course we'd go boating together Captain Lou was the father who took me everywhere he went of course on the off school days he was a generous and loving father and he was generous in his life to his friends and to the causes he believed in Dad instilled in me a passion and a respect for freedom and individuality That only if you've been alone in the middle of the ocean can you truly ascertain. Out there, there is no one. No one but yourselves on the boat with nothing but water to see. Good morning, Jib Boom Jesse, our producer in the booth. I got a promotion. (laughs) You know what the Jib Boom is, Jesse? It's fitting for your position. I have no idea. The Jib is the forward triangular sail on the sailboat, and the Boom, the Jib Boom, Is the pole that holds the sail up.
1: I know about that. I keep having to duck out of the way of it when
3: it swings around back here in the studio.
2: (laughs) As you support this show from inside that booth. Yes, sir. The phone lines are open, and you can call in and be part of this tribute to Nautical Talk Radio by calling 781-837-4900 to tell us your experience with Captain Lou, your experience listening to Nautical Talk Radio, or any other related topic. If you'd like to fire an email off your bow, you may do so to Brad Gainer, B R A D G A I N O R, at iCloud.com. Again, this is a special broadcast tribute to Captain Lou and Nautical Talk Radio. But any phone calls and/or emails will be answered and read with gratitude. I can't thank the audience enough. Words cannot accurately express the gratitude I have for the kindness and the gracious cards, phone calls, and emails we've been getting a Captain Lou home it truly uh, it truly makes my heart swell every week uh, Captain Lou would feature this latest nautical news and Jesse this week is no different and I've got bad news the headline story I am heartbroken and saddened to talk with you about is the very reason we are here This is the passing of Captain Lou no No, I just got an email asking me if Captain Lou passed away from COVID-19. Captain Lou did not pass away from COVID-19. Captain Lou succumbed to a long battle with pancreatic cancer. And according to my brother-in-law, Dr. Josh, who is a medical doctor and owns a boat, so his word is law, according to Dr. Josh, pancreatic cancer is now the fastest growing cancer in men. Captain Lou fought hard through three rounds of chemo, six weeks of radiation, and lastly, a clinical trial, which involved immunotherapy and radiation. Even in the face of discomfort and possible death, Captain Liu was innovative and experimental. He was a man who wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to take risks. I'm talking about his life, how the captain lived. He always imagined being successful. He always had success as an image. And I'm not talking purely financial success or longevity. I mean serenity, peace of mind, bliss. Captain Lou lived and was driven out of his bliss station. His passion, I later uh, in the show will tell you, uh, I later in the show will tell you some of the personal adventures I had with Captain Lou. But now... uh, our next nautical news story, inside the friendliest place on Earth. Guests get yelled at for abandoning their sinking ship. Guests aboard Disney World's Splash Mountain started getting nervous when their ship started taking on water. Video footage shows those on board evacuate as their seats were flooded with water. Riders stood on a small path alongside the track and watched as their boat submerged and sunk underneath. Guests said Disney employees yelled at them for exiting their vehicle, citing it as a safety hazard. To me, it sounds like Goofy was operating the ride. We need to do a better job next time. That's what NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine said when the SpaceX spacecraft landed. Why did NASA's Administrator and SpaceX leaders say they should have had more U.S. Coast Guard support? because the SpaceX shuttle that returned to Earth landing in the Gulf of Mexico was surrounded by private boaters. Astronauts Doug Hurley and Bob Behnken had to wait a little longer for their Dragon spacecraft nicknamed Endeavour to be recovered due to some unwanted spectators. About one dozen passenger boats within close range of the SpaceX shuttle, which was carrying nitrogen tetroxide Well, that could have made for quite an explosive situation. And last, last on today's nautical news, is a story about a guy who is either lucky or unlucky, depending on how you view the world. Justin Stuller, a fisherman who survived being bitten by an alligator, has now also survived being bitten by a shark. Mr. Stuller said he was bitten while swimming in the Florida Keys. He said, said, quote, the shark blindsided me, grabbed me by the leg, kind of pushed me over and swam away, end quote. The attack left one big bite that required over 20 stitches to patch. One thing I've learned from this article, if I find myself swimming near Mr. Stuller, it's time to get out of the water. Well, we have some special in-studio guests joining us right now. Uh, Which I'd like to introduce you to first. I'm going to turn my attention to an author. An author who is also an historian. I would call him the official South Shores historian extraordinaire. He's also written and contributed to, John, 50 books? Mm. Yes. Yep. Just to name a few, lifesavers of South Shore, lifesavers of the South Shore: a history of rescue and loss. Looking back at South Shore history, from Plymouth Rock to Quincy, uh, and granite to Quincy granite, excuse me. Massachusetts aviation, when hull uh, when hull freezes over, and then a half hour a day across Massachusetts. How did you find yourself? Let me first ask you before I ask you how you met <laughs> Captain Lou. How? Did you get inspired to write so many books and, and and your passion is so much of the history of this state?
3: You know, it actually started on a Civil War battlefield in Kentucky when I was 11, when I started to realize that I could feel the history that took place on that battlefield. I mm-hmm. couldn't see it. There was no smoke. I couldn't smell it. I could feel that men had fought and died there. And so from that point forward, I started to see the world a little differently. And you bring that back home again, and, you know, next thing you know, you're looking at the life-saving station in Hull. And you're saying, what the heck happened here? And on and on. And it just grew outwards from there. And uh, so back in 1998, I helped to write the first town of Hull history. And um, it's been, you know, 50, 51 at this point uh, ever since.
2: Now, Captain Lou uh, lived in Hull for 25 uh, years or so. Mm -hmm. Is that how you met, just through the town of Hull? Uh,
3: You know, we were... um, I can't even remember, if it was something to do with history for sure, mm-hmm. um, he was—he asked me to be on the show, he probably had read something I would written in the Hall Times, and I came in and sat down and I experienced the whole thing here on Nautical Talk, and then uh, we just clicked and became really good friends, and uh, anytime he called and asked, whether it was here or uh, at the Yacht Club, the Metropolitan Yacht Club, mm-hmm. or at uh, the for the Chanticleers, whatever it was he was doing, if there was a way I could help him out, I just jumped in and said absolutely yes, happy to do so.
2: Yeah, that is so gracious. Uh, Captain Lou uh, was loyal, and he inspired loyalty in in, in a lot of folks. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later as well. Um, Thinking about uh, some of the history in town and Captain Lou's involvement in the town of Hull... uh, were you also involved in getting the town of Hull uh, named as a U.S. Coast Guard city? I was
3: not, but that is, you know, that is the biggest thing. Is that there used to just be one out in uh, Michigan, and that was it. And the Coast Guard opened up that program, and Hull was such a perfect fit. And he dove right into that. And he said that, you know, the the first lighthouse is right offshore. Joshua James, the most decorated lifesaver. Uh, We've still got the m- most active station in the region uh, at Point Ollerton. So um, he seized on that, and he ran with it. And it's, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of that he. Did for his community.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, and he loved the community of Holland. He loved the salt shore, and he loved the the water on the coast uh, and in the bay. And uh, Captain Lou is in, interned in and in a place where he's got a view of everything. Well, let's go uh, right now, uh, Jesse. If you've got, I believe, one of the uh, one of the famous people uh, Captain Lou interviewed. In addition to John Galuzzo, Shore historian, <laughs> extraordinaire and famous author, was Paul Sorvino. That's cut four on the yellow, uh, on the yellow CD. Paul Sorvino was uh, an actor, he was a singer, and he starred in movies such as Goodfellas, acted in many plays, and uh, started a seafood company, as I recall. Why don't you play that one, Jesse?
1: Welcome aboard. Thank you, Captain. And of course, uh, folks should know right away that you are in the seafood business. Yes, I am. So what's your specialty? My specialty is everything. (laughs) So um, to Italians, food is very important. Uh Food is love. Food is family. And uh, I continue that tradition. Oh, you've been the uh, star in Goodfellas and uh, Laura and Order. three movies coming out. One of them is an opera movie called uh, Repo, the Genetic Opera. It's coming out in April where I'm the star of that. Uh, that's with Paris Hilton, is my daughter. And Sarah Brightman, the great English soprano. And uh, a couple of other movies, and I'm going to make another movie in Romania now and uh, finishing editing a movie that I shot, that I directed, that will be coming out. So a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, a lot of folks don't realize that you were in Broadway plays well i'm also an opera singer i've sung at the met i've sung at the seattle opera i've sung at the new york city opera let me, let me hear your voice just give me an opera voice uh, oh blow the man down believe, blow the man down Way, blow the man down blow the man down believe, blow the man down
4: blow
1: Give me some time to blow the men down. Paul Savino, ladies and gentlemen, i not at the talk radio.
2: <laughs> That's one of my favorite interviews, because it's so nice to hear a character like Paul Savino, Paul Savino singing and uh, performing in a manner that is so much different from his uh, movie or on-stage uh, personas. Also in the studio, we have an, uh, someone who's been loyal to Captain Lou since the very beginning. Someone uh, who Captain Lou uh, was loyal to as well, and has had him on the show at least ten times. Um, someone who Captain Lou met as early as two thousand and three at the, uh, if I'm correct, uh, Mike, at the mar- at the uh, Massachusetts Marine Trade Association.
5: Yeah, it was some some get together. This mm-hmm. is. Um, I need to interview you about your new Marine Service Center. <laughs> he showed up, you know, and... He showed up as you were doing the bill note for yeah. a tan marine. And he, sh- he shows up with his little tape recorder, you know, with the microphone. <laughs> you know, and, he's, and I'm, you know, I'm running around working, getting the place ready and he just keeps on interviewing. Keep, and We probably spent an hour or two together and after it's all said and done, he says, how would you like to appear on my show? I said, I'd love to. Let me know when. And he goes, Sunday. So, <laughs> so I showed up that Sunday and he asked me all of the same questions that he asked me over the two hours right and that was it he and I just hit it off and um, we stayed in touch like you know not just in the business but um started spending some personal time together and I got to know the man and I considered him a friend Mm. Mm. Captain Lou was like that Uh, he was a very likable
2: father I mean I hear some stories Uh, he was a likable guy yeah even even to me, his son. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a story. I'll tell you a quick story. I'll get personal with the audience um, and let you know what Captain Lou was, was really like. Uh, what it was like growing up with him. When I was a kid, about eight or nine years old, Captain Lou, and for those of you just tuning in, Captain Lou was my father. This is Navigator Brad. And now I'm talking the early 1980s. This was before Dad was Captain Lou on the radio. We were, a f- we were on a family vacation to the Cape Islands. What we were was in five to seven foot seas in the 28 foot Wellcraft. I remember vividly, we came down hard on the backside of a seven foot swell and my dad slammed his left knee into the underside, onto the underside of the instrument panel and blood started drooling out of the gash and I, well, I was petrified. I remember my mother holding me and my dad looking at us, at me. He saw the terror on my face and said, It's nothing, Brad. Don't worry. We'll make it. The boat can take it. (laughs) And that was Captain Lou. If he was determined to be somewhere and the boat could take it, we were expected to be able to take it also. And we would be all put to the test years later on one of our seafaring adventures, cruising to Florida in the open Atlantic in 10 to 15-foot seas on a 46-foot custom-built Bertram Sportfish. Some days out in the Atlantic, you can't see land, water all around, nothing for miles but the ocean, sometimes in dense fog or pounding rain. Either way, not being able to see the fingers in front of my face, Captain Lou knew exactly where we were. He knew our heading... He knew the bearing, and he knew our course. Dad loved, as many can attest to, a good social occasion, and he liked to fool around. But there was no joking about navigation. Captain Lou took navigation very seriously. There was Loran C, which is no longer in use. GPS is now the thing. Captain Lou could navigate by the stars, some string, and a stopwatch. There was a day when on Captain Lou's 36-foot Egg Harbor, we lost power to the bridge. All we had was a compass and landmarks. Landmarks, Captain Lou was an expert at pointing out on the chart and then recognizing on the water. Dad loved giving family members and friends tours on the boat of Boston Harbor and the islands. But only if you adhere to very precise rules. No eating potato chips on the deck of the Egg Harbor... The oil in the chip crumbs stains the teak. And I know, because I had to A and B that boat. A and B was the... teak tea cleaner. Teak tea cleaner, the acid in the wash, <laughs> and you had to have the hose running constantly. Yep. Don't worry about that, son. Uh, <laughs> that won't hurt you. Then there was <laughs> no black-soled shoes on the deck of the Bertram. God help you. If you wore black-soled shoes onto the deck of the Bertram, Captain Lew would give you that look. That landlubber look. Because black sole shoes, or the black rubber leaves an almost permanent mark on the white no-skid fiberglass, which is hard enough to keep clean. And you know about cleaning boats, Mike.
5: A little bit, you know that. Metan Marine, meticulous attention, and that's a marine fabrication company. Well, I'll tell you, he, uh, he was by my side almost since the beginning, always supporting us. Any opportunity he could... Plug Matan in this, you know, in the service center and the other businesses that were there. Uh, he went out of the way to do that, um, right up until every transformation that we've gone through over our 25 years. He's been there to support us right to our most recent move to our new place in Lakeville two years ago. He was, you know, he was there um, with a lot of encouragement again on the personal end. You know, uh, I'm going to miss him dearly. Yeah. Yeah, and I will, too. We all will. Uh, Another
2: guest who was loyal to Captain Lou through the years at WATD, I would call him Life Preserver Larry. I call him Life Preserver Larry because he's... I would call Larry the chief engineer, maybe the the lead producer for this whole station. He's the go-to guy who fixes everything. Keeps the station afloat as far as its technical aspect. And, uh, you know, Larry, life jacket. Larry was with me, Navigator Brad. We were together in 1993 aboard the USS Salem when the boat transported to Quincy. That's very cool. And we would not have been able to do that if it wasn't for Captain Lou. Larry, ahoy there. Hi there. It's so good to have you aboard. Thank you for coming.
6: Yeah, it's good to be on board. And I remember the the Salem is... um, it start, I think we, we did the Irish show. Remember the Irish show was on before? Feast of Irish yes. Music was on before yes. Captain Lou. And um, I was told to... Um, I, I think I met Seamus somewhere. And um, we went up to the Salem. And I was like, how are we going to get on board? It's way up it's up, up high. And um, they told me I had to climb up a rope ladder. Oh, <laughs> yes, I, the rope ladder yes. to get up. <laughs> And I was had to climb up a rope ladder with a um, a 12-volt car battery, <laughs> an antenna, um, $1,500 worth of Marty equipment for the tran- transmitter to do the broadcasts, and, and whatever else I had. And finally, I looked over and I said, well, I don't think that 90-year-old uh, admiral was climbing up the rope ladder. So we got on up there, and we found everybody. Everybody came to us. I think we were one of maybe two other stations, radio stations on there, and uh, it was nine hours. That we were on there. That's right. And uh, you and I, uh, we we, uh, we found somebody trying to steal stuff. Do you remember that? The I do. Was with a lighter, he was trying to go through the ship with a lighter. And I said, uh, "What are you doing down here?" And why were we down there? Because <laughs> I, I think the door was open. <laughs> Shh. Are we
0: tri- no.
5: I think. Yeah.
6: I think the I think the door I think the door was open. But you you and I went to ring the bell, when it went under the old Four Rivers ship. Uh, um, the, down the Four River Shipyard under the, uh, the bridge there. And uh, then they took the rope off of it. I remember that. Yes. But what, what an adventure. I mean, that was just one of many adventures with, with Lou over the years. I mean... Larry, um, you
2: and I were stepping over chains, going into every... Uh, we saw the mess hall. <laughs> we saw the bunks where the, the naval uh, officers slept. We were uh, we saw the, the, the bridge, and we went places you weren't supposed you to gotta go.
6: You've got to find something to do in nine hours. <laughs> how did they end up How did they end up getting the 90-year-old guy on the boat? <laughs> they had a uh, gangplank, actually, <laughs> so it made a lot, lot of things easier. In fact, I think all the equipment was actually taken by uh, whoever was uh, crewing the, the ship, brought everything up and, and set us up, and uh, we, were, uh, we were where the crane would be. Where the, you know where the helicopter goes in and goes underneath? Have a helicopter pad on there, and they they used to be able to put a helicopter on the deck. It would open up and then drop down into a, a inner inner part. And so we were on the rear of the ship for the entire broadcast. Um, and I, I think uh, I think Brad and I climbed up as far as we could up to the bridge. Um, the views were out of this world. But uh, you yeah, know, was just one of the many adventures that that I had with uh, with Brad and Lou. Brad, do you remember? Um, the remotes we used to do at James Landing and uh, Situate, of course, and uh, you rollerbladed all the way down from, from I guess it was home in Hollow Cohasset. Cohasset and, uh, at that time. Yeah.
5: You didn't realize it was going to be that far. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first yard I started working out of. No kidding. James, yeah, James Landing. So, but you know, the Bodie community is such a small it is. community. It is. It, you yeah. know,
2: it's like the, it's like the uh, the auto repair business in which I'm involved in. It's just a small world. And I love both. Oh, Larry, it was some good times we had. And, uh, yeah, you know, Captain Lou uh, always had a good time. You guys always had a good time, and, and, and the three of us together, we were unstoppable.
6: Were you with us when we broadcast live in the G-Force? And we, I think we went up to Boston. It was either Tall Ships or Save the Harbor, Save the Bay. And uh, we, spent the, we did the show live from the boat, if I remember right.
2: Yes, and uh, I remember being with Captain Lou... Uh, on the, the north shore out of Gloucester on a fisherman's boat at a time when, when, when dropping lines and dragging them was, was illegal. Uh, they were told to stop. <laughs> and I had my, my old you know, VHF video recorder with me and it was Captain Lou and I and a bunch of salty fishermen. And what they did, these fishermen, is they took their fishing lines and put anchors on the ends of them and dropped the fishing lines in the water and trolled the anchors to get the coast guard to chase them, to harass the coast guard. It was amazing. It was fantastic. What an, what an adventure. Yeah. Larry, thank you so much for coming aboard. Oh, look, I'll talk hey, radio.
6: it's always, uh, always it's been a pleasure Joe. to be on board. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, we're going to miss Lou uh, with the Mayflower 2 coming back in because uh, Ed Perry and I are going out on the seas, and all I can think is Lou would like to be out on this uh, boat with us, so, um, or, or even be on his own boat, um, being part of the whole thing. So he's, I'm going to be thinking about him tomorrow when uh, we're out there, and Ed, Ed Perry and I are out on the water.
3: You know, I think he's going to be
6: there. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. They
3: really do. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Thank you again, Larry.
2: Thank you. You're welcome. John, uh, you wrote uh, in a, a heartfelt I mean, the article about my dad, yeah. Captain Lou and the whole times, mm-hmm. the tribute you, you wrote for him, uh, honestly brought it, I don't exaggerate, it brought a tear, It brought tears to my eyes, not a tear, yeah. tears to my eyes. Yeah. Um, I, I, you were inspired by uh, by such grace and uh, and wisdom, and I can't I can't thank you enough from our family.
3: The easiest to, to article you and I ever wrote. Times. Easiest article I ever wrote. You know, <laughs> sitting with you and your mom, and, and just going over some things, and, and just adding my own memories to it. Uh, it just was the easiest thing I've ever done because it just flowed right out. I mean, I, I wrote that in 20 minutes. It was so easy to do. Uh, I was, I was just thinking though about how you were saying how, how when he was on deck he wanted everything to be exactly the way it was mm-hmm. but you were telling me about his office and how oh. he, he somehow created disaster. Out, of, out of a disaster <laughs> <laughs> he created this show on a regular basis it seems it's like such a funny thing you know but uh, it's uh, but uh, it, it was so easy to do he he just made everybody laugh and that's why i said he's, he left laughter in his wake sure. everywhere he went you know and that's that's what more could a person want to do in
2: life Captain Lou was a master of his own chaos, for sure. <laughs> it's certainly what he was. Uh, he would come out of that messy office every week with a prepared show, and I've been in that office pretty much all week. His computer is there, and I've been doing the things that uh, that I need to do to to clear out, uh, you know, his accounts and and uh, go through those personal items. And and sitting there at his desk, where he would produce uh, so many scripts for Nautical talk radio. Um, what a blessing. Uh, what a gift it is for me. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny how Captain Lou got into this business. Uh, you no, know, into this. I say business. It was really his passion, his hobby. Um, in his own words, uh, when the real estate crunch came in the early 1990s, I decided to try my hand at something else, Captain Lou said. I was always told that if you did something you liked, it wouldn't feel like work. And that is so, Captain Lou. Uh, So being an avid boater and a radio talk show junkie, it was a natural for me, and it was for him. So I walked into the radio station in Marshfield and talked with its owner, Ed Perry. The first thing, and I love this, the first thing Ed asked me is if I had any radio experience or went to radio school. And I replied no to both. Ed then asked (laughs) me if I was a boat dealer or a boat salesman. And I had to again reply no to both. He asked me if I was a boat builder or a boat mechanic. And again I had to reply no. Well, I don't know what convinced Ed to give me a chance, Captain (laughs) would state. But I found out later, Ed Perry used to ferry people back and forth to Martha's Vineyard. And for those of you who don't know, Ed Perry is the owner of this wonderful radio station, the the beacon of the South Shore. WATD 95.9 FM Um, and he liked the idea he said I could do an hour long talk show providing that I learn how to do my own engineering and production so he said show up at 3 in the morning and practice playing some music don't worry what you do because nobody will be listening. <laughs> <laughs> so when Captain Louie says, "So when I showed up at three in the morning to relieve the disc jockey who was there, not knowing anything except knowing a couple of the buttons that turned on the turntables and the microphone," obviously I was nervous, and it didn't. And it wasn't long before the songs were lapping over one another. I had commercials playing over those, and I just started pushing buttons. And before I knew what was happening. The phone started ringing as I was making uh, Elvis Presley songs play over commercials. Then to make matters worse, I had to open my microphone and do a station ID while the commercials were playing. He was having one heck of a time it sounds like <laughs> so the phones start ringing and people want to know what is going on at WATD and Captain Lou thought nobody's going to be listening, listening. <laughs> he told me nobody's going to be listening there's always somebody listening <laughs> and then Captain Lou says the police show up thinking that DJ must have had a stroke or something <laughs> I tell the cops the owner had me practicing and told me there would be nobody listening. (laughs) Ah, what a blast. What a blast. And that's how Captain Lou did things. By the seat of his pants. Just throw me to the
4: walls.
2: (laughs) And, uh... You know, speaking of uh, people who have been with... Well, people have been with Captain Lou over the years, uh, loyal to Captain Lou, and I I can't thank them enough. And uh, he's had a weatherman, Mike Redden, who was with him for all 29 years. And... uh, I tried to get a hold of uh, Mike. I, I unfortunately couldn't reach him. But we do have another meteorologist who is uh, friends with Captain Lou. I've uh, been friends with Captain Lou for a long time. Meteorologist Robert
4: Gilman. Ahoy, Rob. Ahoy, Navigator Brad. How are you, sir? I am, first of all, saddened, truly saddened. Uh, uh, Lou was uh, a very special person and. This show is a tribute, uh, again it just goes to show who he was uh, when, when you hear your voice uh, and, and you are someone that he was so proud of, you and your lovely wife Stacy and your son Sam uh, meant so much to him, you know, on air and off uh, and it, it just the audience can, can hear that you know in this tribute
2: thank you thank you it is it's it's a heartfelt tribute it's in all honesty uh if you know what i've been and you do know what i've been going through <coughs> for the past few weeks uh with the multiple life changes in my family and uh to be invited by mr rob Hakala, news director of WATD, to uh come aboard uh, this sunday and, and host a tribute to captain lou and nautical talk radio after having worked with him for for 10 years as, as navigator brad on the show uh I am so grateful and I can't thank you enough Mr. Hackler.
4: Well, they, these things just don't just happen and uh, again uh, Rob Hackler is amazing but before Rob Hackler did the South Shore Morning News, it was Joe McMillan and it uh, reminds me of a, a trip we took and Larry's still listening, uh, Larry was on that trip, uh, it was on the Mayflower too and it was with Ed Terry, a station owner and it was out of Gloucester very early in the morning, I think it was about 20 years ago, um, across Massachusetts Bay and this, this wasn't in July or August, this was in the middle of January and for whatever reason, the seas were calm, like glass, and the tug just brought us right into Plymouth Harbor. And we broadcast the whole way. Uh, Ed was up <laughs> on the uh, on the rope ladders. It was was quite a trip. Uh, the other boat trip that I have a lifelong memory of is with Captain Lou and uh, Ellen and uh, a few other neighbors in Hull uh, just discovering the coastal waters because so many people you know, could never find their way from uh, Hull into Boston. And uh, of course, he had no trouble with that. And it was just such a great trip going through the Harbor Islands. And at that time, the Long Island Bridge was still up under the bridge and uh, right into the Charles River to the Esplanade. It was an amazing day. And I'll always remember that trip, along with the trip on the Mayflower Two. Of course, the Mayflower Two is coming back to Plymouth Harbor tomorrow uh, on a nicer day, nicer time of year to gather crowds. Uh, and Captain Lou, I'm sure, would be part of that and, and will be, as John Galuzzo mentioned, uh, uh, in in a very real way. Uh, we, he's just so much a part of the South Shore. He's, he's a South Shore guy through and through and, and uh, is, you know, part of our legend now and uh, just a wonderful friend. Uh, in fact, just as we're talking, the the wind is turning. It was 85 degrees. We're down to 76 now with a light sea breeze along our coastal waters and along the beaches of the South Shore. Remembering uh, a wonderful man, Captain Lowe.
2: Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks My so pleasure. much for coming aboard. So he good will. to hear you. Thank you. Well, this is Navigator Brad. Thanks f- thank you very much for uh, turning us on. You better hold your course steady. We have quite a tribute show lined up for you, including interviews. I've got such a pile of stuff here to get to. Uh, Man, I've got such a pile of interviews to get to, including Sebastian Younger, who wrote the book The Perfect Storm, Linda Greenlaw, who piloted the boat that didn't sink alongside the Andrea Gale. Uh, I do have the interview with Billy Joel. Don't abandon ship just yet. Stay tuned. It's WATD 95.9 FM.
1: Sitting on a dock of the bay, wasting time. Hello, folks, Captain Brad White here from New England Burials at Sea. Since 2006, people come to us from all over America to scatter their loved ones' cremated remains in our very beautiful Atlantic Ocean. Many families take their time in planning one's sea burial in a belated but dignified, memorable, and real affordable way. We welcome those who have taken two, three, or even five years since their loved one's passing to follow through on their final sea burial wishes. Rely on us as many families have, New England Burials at Sea can assist families from 1 to 400 people, so please call me personally as I am happy to help you and your family with sea burial planning from Maine to Miami for your loved one. Our prices start at just $495. Check us out online today at newenglandburialsatsea.com or call toll-free 877-897-7700. Again, newenglandburialsatsea.com, 877-897-7700. Do you have black and
7: green mold on your house or business that's surrounded by beautiful plantings? Do you want to get rid of the mold and not hurt your plants? Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting. Stewart Painting can soft wash your home or business with our environmentally safe solution. Our solution will make that green and black mold disappear instantly and it won't hurt your beautiful plants. Our trained wash crews will even cover your plants as an added extra precaution. Stuart Painting can soft wash your trim, siding, roof, decks, walkways, patio, fencing, or whatever is covered with mold. Our soft wash will make your house or business look beautiful, and best of all, we guarantee the lowest price. So don't wait, call either our Hyannis or Hingham office, or go online to StuartPaint.com and click on Virtual Quote. And remember, Stuart Painting, expect the best.
8: Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com.
3: Hey there folks, it's Quinn Kelly reminding you to tune in Sunday night at 5 for the South Shore's first voice in sports talk radio, the Sports Exchange unmatched coverage of local high school action as well as a relatable voice on all things boston pro sports we've got you covered live at five every sunday night have a question for our host missed last week's show or just want to share a great sports story you can find us on twitter at se on watd but remember mark your calendar folks and we'll see you sunday night at five for the sports exchange on 95.9
4: watd
2: All right, welcome back. This is Navigator Brad. Thank you for turning us on. You're listening to a special tribute broadcast to Captain Lou and Nautical Talk Radio. How good of a captain was Captain Lou? I will tell you a little bit later on the show. Right now, before we hear our next uh, interview that Captain Lou did with Sebastian Younger, the author of The Perfect Storm, before we hear Sebastian, let's go right to the phone line and hear from Sam. Sam calling in. Hello, Sam. Welcome aboard. Hi. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Is this Sea Dog, Sam? Yes. This is Sea Dog. Sam, what do you remember from being on the boat with Captain Lou? I remember almost every summer he'd take me on his amazing boat, either go fishing or just go on a boat trip and swim in the water. Oh, that's so nice and that's a memory you can carry with you forever isn't it sea dog
8: yes
2: well, thank you so much for calling in sea dog sam do you have anything else you want to say um that's all all right thank you i'm sure the captain would have appreciated the the recollection that's so nice all right let's go yeah. right now to a uh, an interview captain did with an with an author uh, who wrote a book that became a movie i read the book the perfect storm i saw the movie with mark Wahlberg. the poor perfect storm gets cut five exactly jesse cut five and that is with author sebastian younger
4: what made this the perfect storm
7: sebastian
0: well meteorologically it was a fairly rare combination of events um it was a very late season hurricane that merged with a a gale in nor'easter and that turned into a huge storm the waves are over 100 feet offshore and the storm doubled back, it retrograded towards the coast because of an anticyclone of huge high pressure system coming down out of Canada. So, those three
4: elements together produced what one meteorologist called a perfect storm. They would travel, what's it, 1,500 miles from home out to the Grand Banks? It took a good week to get out there. They get a three day marine forecast, there's just no coming
7: home to beating the weather.
0: No. No, and a lot of people ask me, "Well, what were they doing out there? This big storm coming? You know, it's foolish for them to be out there. Why? You you know, these fishermen—they just uh, they they ignore the weather and just keep fishing. You know, et cetera, et cetera. They cannot beat the weather back into port, essentially. Um, And every time there's a chance of a bad storm, if they ran to port or tried to run to port, they never get any fishing done because there's always the possibility of a storm out there, and you just don't know where the storms are going to go.
5: You know,
2: and that's, in all honesty, Papa wasn't a fishing man. If anybody recollects, Captain Lou really didn't like fishing off of his boat. Used to always say, "You can't clean the scales off the deck." (laughs) And he also didn't like cutting the heads off of the worms. They would pinch. Just didn't (laughs) like the worms.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, he just didn't like dealing with the mess. He wasn't a, uh, a mess, uh, a blood and guts oriented guy. Uh, he would go fishing on your boat, but mm. yeah, like, <laughs> not on the G Force. <laughs> well, there's a funny story. The name of his boat was the G Force, and that comes from a that comes from a day long ago. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, there used to be a cartoon called. Oh, maybe somebody could star reflect it. Star Blazers. Star Blazers yeah, or star something blazers. like that. And they would mm-hmm. say, G-Force. Yep. And I used to watch it. And G was G for gainer. And he liked it. G-Force. Was my big I contrib- heard
5: that story before.
2: It was my big contribution to uh, Captain Lou's boating lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ever on the boat with uh, Captain Lou, John?
3: No, never get on the boat. It's funny. We did everything ashore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I so. you know, Captain Lou did love land lovers as well.
5: <laughs> the <laughs> only time I saw his boat was out of the water. No kidding, huh? Yeah, I came down to check out the bottom of the boat. Um, he had a couple of issues with it. This is, God, 15 years ago. Yeah, what was wrong with the boat then? He, he, he had a few little blisters. Uh-huh. And he was concerned. Oh, in the hull, in the yeah. fiberglass. And he was concerned that they were spreading through the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. He just had some, like, right at the waterline, which mm-hmm. a lot of boats happen.
3: Do you think he looked at people and saw the black soles in their shoes and said no? <laughs>
2: I don't think he... He never would turn you away, but he would pull me aside and say, have them take their shoes off."
3: <laughs> First mate.
2: Yeah. That was uh, the son. That was my uh, navigator Brad's job. Uh, the duties. Is to uh, interrogate and the And when passengers. you were
5: young, you would just walk up to him and say... Don't you know that you're not supposed to come on the boat with black soles? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you were a landlubber, if you, As far as Captain Lou was concerned, if you walked on the boat with black souls. shoes, <laughs> especially on that white fiberglass, and I love that boat. That uh, that Bertram was quite a boat. That Bertram could take a lot. And uh, and one of I'll tell you. we we got ten minutes left. I'll tell you one. I'll tell the audience one last uh, story I have for about Captain Lou. It may not be the last one, but this is. Definitely a memorable uh, story uh, about sea travel with Captain Lou. Uh, I, I had to have been uh, in my late teens. And uh, we had been cruising the open Atlantic in seas that were progressively increasing in size and volume. Thunder and lightning pounding the earth. And we'd been at sea at least 10 hours. And that was the type of travel we had to do when we took the Bertram to Florida from Boston. We did it in eight days, and we did it in such a short amount of time because I was on school vacation. So we had to get it done and get me back to go back to school. So at sea for 10 hours, we needed to pull into port for the night. It was Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, and all we had on board for food were cans of tuna fish. (laughs) So we were all sort of dismayed. Thanksgiving Eve, it's pouring out. The seas are rough. We just want to get at the dock. Captain Lou calls down from the flybridge to his first mate, my mom, and me, the deckhand. Don't worry, he shouts. We'll have Thanksgiving dinner. Doesn't that sound like Captain Lou? (laughs) We'll get Thanksgiving dinner. And this is how lucky he was. And coincidence, blessed, lucky. I mean, do you want to know what it means, truly means to be in the right place at the right time? And that was the story of Captain Lou's life. So we pull into this port in North Carolina, out of the ocean. And we acquire a local phone book. This was before Google. And as Dad secured the spring line and first mate Mom ran the power cords, I called around to local restaurants. Because again, it was Thanksgiving Eve, but nothing was open. Not in this area of North Carolina. Not a single restaurant. And we were all in dismay that we may have to resign to eating our canned tuna fish. On Thanksgiving which knowing a bit more history now than they did then actually would probably be closer to the truth of what the pilgrims and natives actually were eating but I digress Uh, we go into the marina office to discover any other possible options for a Thanksgiving dinner I mean at this stage out at sea for ten hours cold fall air pounding rain Uh, hot hamburgers and fries would would have won out over canned tuna fish. So into the office we went, and our fears are confirmed. No restaurants, not even a fast food restaurant is available in this area. And then first mate mom sees a bunch of people in an adjacent dining hall. We asked, and we find out that the power squadron is having their annual Thanksgiving dinner. Now, Dad, who was Dad, uh, before he was Captain Lou on the radio, then Dad says, I'm a member of the Power Squadron, (laughs) which he was. But if that wasn't enough, the Marina officer introduces us to the ranking member of the Power Squadron who asks us where we are from. And when Captain Lou told them we were from Cohasset, a town just south of Boston and just north of Plymouth, we were honored guests, <laughs> by golly. They took us in and not only treated us to a hot Thanksgiving dinner, but introduced us to the power squadron as pilgrims, miraculously landing on their shores on Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, this kind of thing was normal for Captain LeBron. <laughs> oh. It's
8: a great story. Oh, my God. That's a great story.
2: Jesse, let's turn to an interview now. I know everybody wants to hear... Let's go to cut one. Interview with Billy Joel.
0: <laughs> it was a boat I had a hand in designing, from the hull up. Uh, it just started with a, an idea to have a, a boat that went fast that looked good. It looks terrific, Billy. Uh, I know your other boat was named after your daughter. Does this the name uh, Nomad have special meaning? Well, my other boat, the Electra, I still have. It's a fishing boat. And a, all weather, all sea boat. Uh, this here is a boat that's gonna be able to scramble up to the Vineyard, go to Nantucket, go, go to poke around the Peconics, and uh, it's just a, it's it's my way of escaping. A lot of people, you know, jet off to wherever. I just go a few hundred yards offshore, and I'm in a different world. Everybody who has a boat understands that. You do any composing while you're on board? You know what? Even when I don't know that I'm doing composing, I'm composing. I'm, I, I don't consciously write music. Sometimes it's just always going on inside the subconscious. How did you get into designing a boat? Well, I've had a hand in designing a couple of boats. I've had about eight boats built, custom built, and uh, I go on. I just love the things. Uh, God help me, I just love these things. Like I love music. Um, there, there's something wonderful about boats, and. Um, but I, I really like the more traditional type boats. I like a boat to look like a boat. Every time I look for a fast boat, I was never happy with what I saw in a production boat. So I went to the fellows over in Shelton Island at Cockles Harbor, who built a couple of other boats for me, and said, "Do you think we can come up with a, a boat that goes, will cruise at 40 knots, but not look like a gold-plated phallic extension?" And they said, "Let's let's kick it around." I can't. I drew a few lines. We've got a, a naval architect, Doug Zern, who basically designed a new hull from the hull up which was fabricated up at uh, North End Marine in Rockland, Maine. And uh, then they finished her out in Shelton Island like they did my other boats. Very simple, traditional, classic lines, no bells and whistles, but you go sixty miles an hour.
4: A lot of people think a superstar like Billy Joel would have a mega yacht, but here you are, you have a, uh, a real salty looking boat.
0: Well, you know, a mega yacht, you can't run it yourself, really. You gotta have crew, and you... You gotta you know, you depend on other people and you can't just hop in it and go whenever you want. And to me that's the joy of boating, is you know, doing your own thing and, you know, charting your own course and, you know, throwing off a line and go see ya. They
5: ain't been Even can wind
0: up. Yep. You know, and that's
2: funny, you know, Captain Lou wasn't uh a, a really a, he wasn't a, a multimillionaire, he wasn't a superstar rock star, but Billy Joel and Captain Lou had the one thing in common that you, uh, the only thing you need—boat. What more do you need to have a conversation with somebody?
0: You know.
1: hmm
5: The thousand that goes with it. The thousand. <laughs> <laughs> now I hear they spell boat with two T's. Yeah. yeah. So you got to break out ten thousand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the phones are lighting up. Uh, Jesse, can we can we speak with John from Marina Bay who's calling in?
8: Hello, Navigator Brad.
2: Yes, sir.
0: Yes. I, I was honored to be your father's last caller on his last show. Um, oh, thank you so I much. I'm a regular caller in, and um, used to have brunch down here on a dock and listen to the show and call and speak with him. And he had planned on coming down one day to join us, and we're going to uh, unfortunately miss that.
2: Thank you so much for saying so, John. Yeah. And believe me. Wherever Captain Lou is, he misses all his listeners, but I'm sure he has Guy plenty, well, we have, I'm sure he has plenty, plenty where he is. Mm. Absolutely. I'm probably telling uh, him thank to thank you shut so up. Much, I look forward to uh, <laughs> speaking with you in the future.
5: Thank you so anyway, much, John. I, I look spoke, forward to I that. I spoke to you, Dad. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Knowing Lou, he has a lot of questions a lot He's of questions probably asking
7: a lot of questions right
8: now got the microphone and
5: the,
7: cord. Got the microphone with the cord he did he
5: had the best questions yeah. st peter now how long do i have to stay like right here can i go walk over there where's the marina where's the marina
2: i just got an email from from rich i, I won't mention his last name and it's a very nice email and And I'll just read part of it. It says, "Yes, the thing that jumps out at me on Captain Lewis—he was generous with listeners, and treated us with respect, whether we were boating enthusiasts or not. He was a generous and great man, and I know he was very instrumental in bringing news of boating or or, uh, boating-related or weather-related nature to listeners around the coast." Thank you so much,
0: Rich. It's very nice, very heartfelt. Wow. You know, mm. and this is uh, Rob from the programming department. I yes. want to thank you, Navigator Brad, for coming in and, and doing this. And I just want to say, you know, for all of us at WATD to offer our condolences. And when I say that your dad was beloved, he really was. And you just heard from people for thirty, almost thirty years, he was part of people's weekend, part of their routine on Sunday Sunday mornings, originally Sunday afternoons. And I remember, you know, before I came here, listening to you and Captain Lou doing the show and Um, We're going to miss him. And I know Christine from our news department also wanted to point out that uh, Lou would cover any breaking story and also wouldn't mind going to cover politicians for political coverage. Uh And she said he was the only person that usually didn't complain about where he was going. It didn't have to be close to his house. She said, go to the Cape, go to Boston. He would do it. He
2: loved it. He He loved the industry. He was a very kind man,
0: and we are going to miss him here at the station.
2: True gentleman. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I just got an email asking why Captain Lou spelled Captain as C-A-P-T apostrophe N instead of spelling out the word Captain. And that's an interesting question, and I thank you for that. Uh, You know, over the years, uh, Captain Lou uh, was not into boating for commercial venture. And he didn't need government recognition of his skill. Captain Lou wasn't actually a licensed captain. He never was. In all my life, he was just the <laughs> really? best captain I knew. Wow! Yeah. So he spelt it like Captain Crunch. The Captain Captain, <laughs> <laughs> captain Lou. <laughs> Thank you, Mike all Varelli live. of Matan Marine Associates. Thank you, John Galuzzo, Hull historian extraordinaire, famous author. Thank you, Rob Hackler. News Director, W.A.T.D. Thank you. I can't, this has been an honor for me, and I can only say that Captain Lou, Dad, you're off and clear. You can relax.
7: God bless. God bless.
1: All right, that's a wrap. Stay tuned now for W.A.T.D.'s local award-winning news.
7: Have a great Sunday afternoon, everyone. This is Captain Lou. We're off and clear.
2: I'll just make one announcement. Tomorrow evening at 6:30 p.m., the tribute continues. Kevin Tarchi is going to run his interview with Captain Lou here, WATD 95.9 FM, Monday, tomorrow evening, 6:30 p.m. Thank you so much. You.
5: There's wind and I